0: It's free. If you're a buyer or a breeder, you gotta check out the Reptile Report Marketplace. The Marketplace is the Reptile World's most complete buying and selling destination full of features to help put you in touch with the perfect deal. Find exactly what you're looking for with our advanced search system. Search by sex, weight, morph, or other keywords and use our buy it now option to buy that animal right now. Go to marketplace.thereptilereport.com and register your account for free. Be sure to link your Marketplace account to your Ship Your Reptiles account to earn free tokens with each shipping label you book. Use the marketplace to sell your animals and supplies and maximize your exposure with a platinum ad. It also gets fed to the reptile report and our powerful marketplace Facebook page. Buying or selling? Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates. ShipYourReptiles.com can also supply you with the materials needed to safely ship your animals successfully. Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates, the materials needed to ship your reptiles successfully, live customer support, and our live, on-time arrival insurance program. We got you covered. Visit thereptilereport.com to learn or share about the animals. Click on the link to the marketplace, find that perfect pet or breeder. Then visit shipreptiles.com to ship that animal anywhere in the United States. We are your one-stop shop for everything reptile-related.
1: another episode of Morelia Python Radio. Tonight we have John Battaglia. He's joining us and we are going to be talking selective breeding. Uh, You may know John uh, from, he's been a guest before on the show way, way back in the early days, which, oh, and by the way, we're coming up on four
2: years. We're not allowed to talk about this stuff. Four years. (laughs) No more talking about that. We're we're past 200. Sanity.
3: Holy we're past two hundred
1: episodes and we're on four years. I think John was the maybe the fourth guest we had on, maybe.
2: Back when we um, had no idea what the hell we're doing. And apparently, according to tonight, still have no freaking idea what we're doing. But yeah, you know, Owen's that, been downgraded that, right. to the uh to the child like <laughs> uh, We 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 were really good for one freaking show, and then my email has apparently lost. The connections to the good microphone, and Eric and I were trying to get me set up before. But apparently, there's an email that has the link that I need. It's flying somewhere in outer space, and maybe it'll make its way to my inbox before the show is over. Knowing our luck, it'll appear probably around 11 o'clock tonight. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, probably. The brand um, it is what it is. Yeah, so
1: uh, we're going to hit on a couple topics before we uh, before we bring John on, and um, I guess if I guess if anybody is new to carpet pythons and doesn't know who John is, because back in the MP days, um, John was uh, he he would he was known as Sloop on uh, on, on MP, yeah. but um, everybody knows him for his uh, Gamma line diamond jungle Jags. And, uh, I can tell you personally that they are stellar animals. Unbelievable. Um, yeah. so he did an article in uh, reptiles magazine, uh, a little while ago and, uh, it was about selective breeding. So it's a topic that, uh, you know, that, uh, warrants a conversation and, uh, with his results, he's very selective about what he pairs with what, uh, and he wrote an article on it. So, uh, I'm going to be chatting with him. Um, one of the uh, one of the things I want to throw out there, though, is uh, is our good friend Bill Stagall. He has um, two 75% GTP Carpondros that was produced by yeah. Speedy Gonzalez. Uh, that uh, he passed away, and um, is uh, I, I think Bill told me that his mother was taking care of the uh, the animals because um, you know they reminded. Of him and and really did you oh. know uh, really took care of everything and then uh, she had passed away so the family basically has uh, entrusted Bill to uh, to sell these so all the uh, the proceeds are are going to go to uh, Speedy's surviving family members so if you uh, if you're thinking about getting into carpandros um,
3: yeah, then the time uh, to do it.
1: hit Bill up on Facebook send him yeah. a message. And uh, you'll be able to work out some details with him. Because another thing that uh, John is uh, famous for is his Carpondros. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. A couple things that I wanted to hit on. um, There was a post on Facebook on uh, uh, GTP Buy, Sell, and Chat group page. And they were talking about Uh Rooks, or I should say Meraki's. And Wamina condros oh, I mean, and is we, yeah. <laughs> and is it a real locality? Now, according to Daniel Natouche, uh, there isn't to be found in these areas. Um, so there was some debate on whether they go back and forth on on whether or not that we should still be calling uh, these condros uh, that locality. Um If you read Daniel's paper, there's five groups of uh, green tree pythons. There's the Australian, the Southern New Guineas, the Northern New Guinea, and the Aru and the Biak. Basically, some of the things that they went back and forth uh, with was uh, that certain localities have defining characteristics, and they label them Mm -hmm. that way. But the problem comes in when the snake doesn't fit into those uh, labels. We sort of run into that a little bit with... um, with jungles and coastals uh as far as the carpet python world i mean you know you have you know if you look at port douglas coastals um yeah they
2: they could pass as jungles they they, kind of don't fit right i mean in the whole general description of what a coastal is no
1: yeah so a question i guess we should have asked uh daniel when he was on would have been um if there was a difference within the area. So like, say for instance, you're in Nauru, is there, are they Mm -hmm. pretty much off, you know, share the same, uh, you know, the same look, the same, um, same traits, uh, or do they vary, you know? Um, I guess if you were, you know, they were going back and forth on, maybe they shouldn't call it if it doesn't look like it, but I guess the problem comes in, like if you're gonna breed Kofi owls, um, if you breed them together, and you, you, you know, yellow is what makes those snakes, uh, their characteristic. And you breed them together, you're going to get some that are green. So, you know, are they still what called the hell does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, What do you, what do you do with that?
3: Yeah.
1: Hmm. Uh, I don't know. It's, uh. It's 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 something that's near and dear to my heart because I'm a locality type guy. So I don't know, I just thought the conversation was going
2: back and forth. Uh, there was you're a thread everything type guy. I mean that's let's let's spade a spade here. Um, you're <laughs> <an everything laughs> yeah. type guy. But um, the thing is is that I I you imagine there would be some variation even in like easy variations in like in small island populations of certain things. It's not huge variation, but still some. So,
3: I, know, I think there
2: would be some variation.
1: Yeah, I would think so, too. I mean, you know, we're from the same area, but we look different, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. I can, I can <laughs> see over most low walls. You can. I mean. You have the giant gene. I have the dwarf gene, you
2: know? Yeah, That's how it goes. Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: Unfortunately, I hit my um, head on very low things. You walk right under it. It's like you know, all everybody works out managers. well. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. Over on, uh, the Morelia Veritas forum, you can check out the thread. I think it's called, uh, Mer- 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 and, um, Waminas. So if you're, uh, interested in following that to, uh, to see the thoughts on it. Um, another thing that I, I thought this was pretty interesting because often we talk about, uh, markets, for mm-hmm. carpet pythons, but, um, there was uh, a huge price drop on the golden eye blood python. And, uh, oh, yeah, that uh, was kind okay. of a, yeah, that was kind of a, you know, a high, high end, uh, morph. And, you know, there was some talk about people just dropping the price and, you know, it's just, I, there were some people that were talking about, you know, blaming, the ball python people and you know, but I, I gotta say, man, I think
2: that's across the reptile just business. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think I love I love how it's like um every time there's something that goes wrong, it's there's like a group of people they're like shaking their <laughs> fists and going, The goddamn ball python people again somehow they <laughs> broke into the bloods and <laughs> produced a bunch of them and now they're ruining this. It's like well I, it, after a while it's not just they're not ball python people anymore they're just, now they're blood people who are doing irresponsible things. It's like
0: yeah. I don't know
2: why we have to sit here and be like it's obvious that what's happened here is ball python people have taken our animals and are now ruining us. It's, <laughs> you know, The common it, denominator it, 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 couldn't it, be people could it? couldn't be people, people. It couldn't be irresponsible reptile keeper because we don't have those people in carpet python. All yeah. python people are here now. It's, you know, I. it's it's funny. But um, I, to see the kind of price drop, honest to God, it's, it's something that you're going to see with people who are getting involved in a species or getting involved in a project who think that they're going to make a crap ton of money off of what they have and then kind of get surprised when they realize that it's a lot of hard work to number one get the babies as well as raise the babies or keep get them feeding and then you're going to sit on these things for a while you know you're not going to pump out eight hundred dollar animals and expect them to go flying off the shelves it's just unrealistic because down in the basement even if these things are in high demand People might not have uh, the money, the funds to get it all at once. So you're not going to have people bounding down your door trying to buy all your animals. You have to sell them. You have to sit, and some of your ones might sit around. Some ones that you think are gorgeous animals just might be sitting for a while. I still have a super caramel jag from last year. He's still here, and uh, you know, it's just like you know, if I wanted to, could I drop his price down to three hundred bucks and sell him? Hell yeah. But would everybody be pissed at me Most likely all of them everybody I know would really be mad at me if I did that so Pro- probably and I really don't mind holding on to them because I'm prepared to hold on to one or two animals from every year and that's usually what carries over from each year if you're careful but you know so a lot of people find the price that everyone has, Disposable income wise, it may not be the price that the animal should be going at. It's the price of if I asked you, could you get 500 bucks in the next three days? Disposable income, you probably could. You could probably run out and get 500 bucks from someplace probably today. And everybody's got that, or that's the number that everyone's really comfortable with getting, or people who want the animal can get. And that's what you list the price for. And then all of a sudden, babies start flying off, but everyone gets mad at you. So,
1: yeah, I, I mean, I, well, the reason that I bring this up is because it kind of ties into our talk tonight. Um, you it know,
2: um,
1: nice segue. You know, <laughs> I think that um, you know, if if you if you want to go and get, I think once everything you know settles down in a market, you're going to have the people that just wanted the money, they roll out. Then you have the people that um, have, you know, are, are really selectively breeding um, to make the animal better, um, you know, and the the results you can tell, you, you know, you can see the results in the animals that they produce. And basically, you know, it's like living works of art. It's some of these animals that, you know, people have really put a lot of work into refining uh traits and um you know I, I, and then and then you get the breeders that um you know they're, they're just basically puppy mill animals you know they they have a morph uh, you know uh, just take anything i mean we're talking about the golden eye at this point but you mm-hmm. could use jag the zebra you know anything that's jag, i mean look at the banana
2: jag-
1: ball yeah. python,
2: <laughs> python for, banana.
1: Good, banana ball for python python good lord
2: badge. My favorite example is that uh, Jag and Spider, pretty much for a while, they were neck and neck when it came price wise. But mm-hmm. when Jag, because one thing I noticed is that when Jag and Spider both were about two grand a piece, that's when I kind of bought into Jag. And the problem is, is that, or the good thing is that there weren't that many Jags kicking around being produced. You know there was a clutch here clutch there that guy got a clutch that guy got a clutch everybody was kind of doing their own thing people were building up their projects what have you but the amount of spiders that were produced over the next three or four years after the jet after they hit two grand was a ridiculous amount of spiders so much of the spider market absolutely tanked within the next few years i think spider was down to like two three hundred dollars in some places and that was marketed by your wholesalers for, like, kicking around for 60 bucks. It's just that's the way it was. A, a Jag held the film for a while, but right now, Jags are down below. Um, I mean, like, I've seen them for $150, $200. Uh, but not
1: a Gamma for,
2: line, Jag. <laughs> not a
1: Gamma Jag. <laughs> well, I mean, that just Why goes to show you. you would a had
2: Jag a... not be there? It's You know, you have.
1: You have Jags that are on the market, right? That uh-huh. when those I, – I remember specifically when those animals came down. Um, it was probably right around the time that I bought my uh, Gamma Jag from, from John. And, uh,
2: you know – Yes, Bill. Not an <laughs> lot You're still paying. <laughs> <So>. Yeah. <laughs> but
1: basically, I paid top dollar for that. And I didn't of mind course. paying top dollar for that because I – mean- you know the animal was worth it you know and and Quality. that's i guess yeah i guess that's the thing that um breeders have to do i mean they either have to produce less keep demand high um
3: or but that's but, <laughs> never going to happen <laughs> the
1: only problem is that we sell snakes to people that most likely are going to breed them at some point and then they become our competition so that's not really an option so uh produce
2: paralyze all our baby snakes before we sell them is what you're telling me you, right uh, yeah, maybe, I guess, you, yeah, you know, yeah, um, take the probe, stab it around in there a little bit and then sell the baby. Yeah, it's great. Uh, this, good
1: idea. The segue
3: into that is that,
1: um, people, you know, people will pay top yeah. for, you know, for a particular pairing or for quality animals that are it, A plus, you it, know, I mean, it's
2: absolutely hilarious that you're talking about this. Cause I mean, well, obviously the gamma line Jags carry some weight and then, the ocelot jags the scattershot lines from like curtain carries weight and they're jags and if you look at some of the normal jags obviously nbb jags carry some weight um, yeah but hold on a second though but when you're talking holding. ocelot jag
1: right that's no yeah, different to me than a zebra jag because that's kind of like
2: a big has another trending. in trend. it yeah, that's you know? true. But when you're organic, talking Gamelon Jags, it's just a Jag. <laughs> you know what Does I'm saying? Gamma have Diamond? Wait, am I Yeah, but Diamond
1: is not a trait. It's a species. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm the,
2: but we're not. It, yes, you are correct. But I'm merely saying <laughs> that certain Jaguar lines, mixes, morphs, whatever you want to call them, have a certain weight to it where other straight-up Jag doesn't. Correct. I, so think, that I think I think be why you would spend the money to pay in for it. Cause I remember when you got uh, Bear, right? Mm-hmm. Bear's your gamma. I remember when you mm-hmm. got him, and he came, and you were like, he looks kind of nice. And then like three weeks later, he shed, and we were like, Jesus! So my my eyes are horrible. <laughs> I I want to look away because of the pain, but I can't. But it, and that's what you and, that, and that's what you paid for. That's what you paid in for. If I yes. spend $100 on a Jag, I am never going to have that moment where I open the drawer and I'm like, yay, look at the amazing. It, it may look pretty, but it will not look like that. I mean, and that's what I don't get with these people who run around and buy, like, the
3: ugliest animals I've ever seen. Well, that's the and thing. Like, that, you know, look at this when they're thing at I it. picked up
2: for 60 bucks for my breeding project. Can anybody tell me what it's a mix of? No. Wow. Where'd you get it? <laughs> No. Yeah. But,
1: I mean, that's why it's so important to buy A-plus specimens when, you know, you're, you know, going to, you're going to try and attempt a breeding project um, and Um, you're going to be selective with it and how you're going to stand out. I mean, you know, you've been in situations where we've both been at shows and somebody comes by and another person has has an animal that's $100 cheaper and they're yep. going to go with that animal, but uh, yeah, it's just a mistake. And I'm sure, uh, you know, as we, well, we're going to bring John on in one second, but
0: he's going to yeah, come we, on we, yeah. and
1: as we go yeah. through this, absolutely. He's going to, you know, talk about that.
2: Um, so
3: yeah. let's if, if start if our pers-
2: quality, quality animals. Uh, we're going to be a Tinley. So just making sure everybody knew that one,
3: you
1: know, <laughs> that's right. So enough of our ramblings,
2: let's get uh, John on.
1: Hey, John, welcome back to the show. Glad to have you.
4: Hey, guys, it's great to be here, and it's great <laughs> listening to you, and thanks for the invite.
2: Of course. We, 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 have, to, we have to bring back um, all the old guests that we completely screwed up on um, in the early years so that they can come back and we can do it properly now. So we've got experience under our belts.
4: All right, I'm happy to hear you guys are going to be at Tinley. I'll definitely make it so I can meet you guys in person. Definitely, awesome.
2: That's uh, we we enjoyed ourselves last time we went, and uh, uh, I went to the last show, but Eric missed it. So I'm glad that we're both going to be going to this one. So definitely. So, what is new since last we had you on? Has there anything been crazy new, kind of
4: kicking around, or
2: any new projects?
4: Yeah, to me, the the crazy new thing with me is these jaguars I'm calling anaconda jags. And uh, I'm just very excited about these. I, I think it's a new morph um, based on a number of things. But I hatched out the first clutch last year. And uh-huh. uh, basically, I, the sire was Gamma 5, who is a diamond jungle jag and the dam was Alba, who's a 75% diamond jungle carpet python. And when the first heads poked through the eggs, I uh, I actually thought they were sibs coming out because the heads were a lot more full in color, looked sort of like the heads of jungle carpet python. So I thought, uh-huh. okay, there's, there's a sib, there's another sib, but then another poked through and it was totally dark and I realized that was the SIB, and and I realized there was something odd going on. Um, so when they were all hatched out, I took a close look at them, and and you know half half of what emerged is what I'm calling anaconda jags, and basically the uh, the the background pattern, the the banding has become uh-huh. so pr- prominent that it forms circular patterns that to me they looked like little anaconda pythons. That's why I call them that. Um, they also have ventral scales that have more of a checkerboard pattern than the usual JAG. Um, their, their head has more of the darker color than, than typical JAGs. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, they were all similar. All, all of them that came out looked the same and, and, uh, half the clutch was, was these animals that I'm calling anaconda JAG. So, um. This year, I repeated the same pairing and, again, got animals hatching that looked just like the ones from last year. So,
2: Wow. This,
4: this result is reproducible, and I, I, I still think it's a new morph, but the, the, the proof will become when I breed these, when they get old enough to breed.
2: Yeah, do you have pictures on your website or Facebook of these animals that we can kind of look at, or are you keeping yeah. them kind of under wraps at the moment?
4: No, you could go to my website and uh, just go to my Jaguar page. And I have pictures of of these Anaconda Jags from last year, including uh, pictures of like a comparison of a Jag to Jag Stib right next to each other, the ventral scales. You can see their head patterns. And then I have a picture of what they look like now, which is crazy. They just look crazy like any Jag I've ever seen, unlike any Jag I've ever seen. Um, They're getting brighter, and uh, they're not yet at the degree of yellow that I've seen typical Gamma Jags become, but um, I'm not worried because the uh, bordering the the dark saddles is that little infusion of neon yellow that I've seen in all the Gamma Jags that eventually takes over as they get older. So I'm pretty happy with this.
2: Uh, I'm, I'm 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 listening to you. I promise. I'm I'm inspecting the picture right now, of this little guy. That is crazy looking, and yeah. the color throughout. It's got the big bold spots, almost like you said, like an anaconda. And then it's got yeah. a bunch of yellow in the black. It's just freaky gorgeous. That's awesome looking.
4: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was so funny because my first reaction when these things first started emerging was one of disappointment. I thought, wow, I bombed out. I have a whole clutch of sibs, you know? Wow. And, and then once I saw the sibs emerge, it, it changed in one second to elation. I,
2: I realized I had
4: something <laughs> kind of unique here.
2: <laughs> something something new. Wow. Well, that will be very cool when they're old enough to breed and uh, you know try to see what they can do with that. I mean, I know you're going to... You've got to love to have some new toy to tinker with <laughs> with uh, your line breedings and stuff like that. So that is awesome. Yes. So best of luck with those. That's great. Um, so we do see that we you've made the shift over to Facebook. Um, what finally led you to make the move? And uh, <laughs> would you ever think the forums will return? Because I know Eric is just horribly, horribly upset that those are gone. So
4: yeah, I uh I I owe it to my friend Chris Rendell's at Headhunters. He basically kicked my butt and said, "John, come off it. Just get on Facebook. Just join up." Um <laughs> so uh, sometimes I I tend to be uh I like a more quiet life and I I don't like so many uh things happening at once. I tend to be old-fashioned and I think I'm in age, I'm probably much older than the mean average age of your audience. So
3: I, I, it, it, really,
4: it really took Chris Rendell to kick my butt and just say, John, just do it already. Okay, that's, and also because like Eric, I missed the forums. I really missed seeing people posting photos of their animals and yeah. having debate. And I, I really missed the debate of the forums. That, that was something I thought was very valuable for learning for me. Uh, is is a number of people willing to stick their neck out and give an opinion on something Uh, that, that was so priceless. So I I do miss the forums and I haven't really seen it yet on Facebook, but I'm pretty new. Uh, But I haven't really seen like forums where people toss ideas around like that uh, on Facebook and maybe they exist. But um, you know, it used to be really good on a pythons when somebody would shout something out and, like, I remember when we were first debating whether Jags even had neurological problems associated with them. And
2: I it, do it was- remember that. That was yeah. one of my favorite posts there, because that one,
4: that one went for a while, and it was funny to watch
2: uh, everybody who you've read about and talked about weighing in on this, whether the Jags had neurological or something like that. So I do remember that. Um yeah. But uh, I mean, are you active in some of the groups? I know it's kind of uh, daunting to get uh you end up getting added to so many of these groups. I think I'm at like ninety something right now and I don't even pay attention to half of them.
4: Yeah, I, I um uh, I'm still learning and I've I've only mm-hmm. joined a couple groups, uh and that so far I'm getting way more information than I could even process daily. So I I'm I'm keeping it circumscribed. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Probably the best way to do that, to be honest with you. So, ease into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: no doubt. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, I got disconnected for a minute, but I'm back.
3: <laughs>
1: oh, it's all you.
2: It's your your shot. Okay. <laughs>
1: uh, so let's 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 talk a little bit about just selective breeding. Uh, you know, just an overview of things uh, when we talk about that. What does that mean to you, John?
4: Well, you know, I I emphasize the word selective, um, and uh, you know, I'm going to talk about how I do things, and I'm I'm certainly not uh, prescribing this as what most people should do. This is just what works for me. Uh, but one thing I do is I'm very very careful on what animals I select. I I spend a lot of time on getting just the right animal, and I'll I'll go to great lengths to get it. Um, I, I, I don't do it impulsively. I do my research. Um, in fact, before I bought my first Jaguar Python, um, I actually spent a lot of times talking uh, with Jan Eric, um, you know, the, the founder of the uh, Jaguar Python. Um, right. Jan Eric, yeah, Jan Eric was in, in uh, Norway at the time, and um, I, You know, this is before Skype and all this other stuff. I was calling him long distance uh, and just paying the bucks on my phone because it was worth it to me to talk with the guy who, who originated this, this morph. And um, I spent a lot of time talking with him, um, and I, I, I felt very thankful that he spent time talking with me and helping me learn about what the Jaguar Python was all about. So then I probably spent six months before I bought Gamma. And um, and then you know the rest is history from there. But um, I did spend a lot of time getting what I was looking at as many animals as I could. I was seeing how their scales uh, changed with their growth and development, uh, because as you all know, when they're when they're all one years old, they all look crazy good, and then things mm-hmm. changed there quite a bit in the next couple years. Um, and I thought a lot about what to breed gamma with at first, because I wanted to keep the pattern clean and uh, and bright, and that's why I chose uh, diamond jungles to go with. Um, because uh, as you all know, diamond pythons, even when they're quite old, they don't lose their luster very much. They, the diamonds keep a very good, clean appearance. So I think getting that blood into the, to the gamma line was important to begin with.
3: Definitely.
1: When, when you when you first saw gamma did you have any idea of what the you know what that animal was going to look like
4: you know i i have to admit i did when i saw that photo of gamma i i was like this is it this is what i've been looking for i knew it immediately um, mm-hmm. and i I had looked at a lot of jags before then. Well, there weren't that many around to tell you the truth, and and the ones that were were all very expensive. Um, but uh, I did. I looked at that photo and I said, "This animal's this animal's a light bulb. It's it's not going to go dim." Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I uh, I went for it, and I had to import her, you know, internationally, and that that took a that was a real big pain in the butt. But you know what? it was worth it and I yeah. think to me when I see people working on projects I, I think you know really the best advice I could give is is don't don't settle for subpar things go go for what you're looking for spend your time do the research look at a lot of animals talk to a lot of breeders and and um, and you have to trust the source you're buying from it if you mm-hmm. really don't know anything about the source um, you could lose a lot. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I think that sometimes people, are, I, I think in your article, you talk about patience. And I think one of the things that people do is they just sort of, they willy nilly this collection of snakes together. And just because they want to have it, I think I, I, I can sort of speak for myself. I mean, the first time I kind of got into snakes, I just kind of bought snakes because you know, I kind of just wanted to feel that need to, um, to have snakes and not really thinking about an end game. Um, and mm-hmm. it actually ended up costing me more money than if I just would have bought that expensive animal out of the gate, you know? Right. I don't know if you guys had this. Sorry, go ahead. Well,
4: you know, we've, we've all done that because, you know, we've all. <laughs> gone through our own process of our own journey. Um, I've definitely bought snakes before that never fit into any breeding project. I just got them because I thought they looked cool and I wanted to have it in my house. Um, But I, I do think, you know, when I started thinking about breeding and especially selective breeding, I did what like a lot of business people do is I wrote down kind of my goals at one year, three year, five years where, you know, where I wanted to take this and um looking at long range um now i'll, I'll be frank the area I've, I've made mistakes along the way plenty of mistakes and one of the biggest mistakes i've made is um I, I sort of have a reputation for not holding back enough animals like i i produce them and i get so excited that people want to buy them that i just sell them all and then i only keep one or two and then if, if something happens to that animal i'm sort of out of luck and mm-hmm. uh give an example of this I had a absolutely gorgeous a gamma female holdback and other than gamma herself it was the only female gamma jag I had and after I've produced all these animals you had to scratch your head and wonder how I could let so many go but um, I did and that jag died of a tumor uh, a cancerous yeah. tumor. I had surgery and everything but it didn't help it couldn't couldn't be helped and so then all of a sudden, the only female gamma jag I had was gamma herself. And she's getting older, and she's had a few health problems. So I was, I was out of luck. And fortunately, uh, a person that I had sold a gamma jag to as a neo, he no longer was going to keep working with them. And so I bought her back off them. <laughs> and so she's back in my possession. <laughs> um, that worked out well.
1: Yeah. Is that the one you posted on your uh, Facebook page?
4: Oh yeah, and she is yeah. just she is jaw-dropping beautiful. Oh my goodness,
1: yes she is. There is, well, is no doubt. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, uh, it's How funny. I uh I kind of have that same thought that I kind of planned out my breeding projects years in advance and Owen makes fun of me cuz
0: I had does. it written down in
1: in a copy book. <laughs> copy book <laughs> uh, for years and years. <laughs> yeah. You know, it doesn't always work out the way I want it to work out. But I do have an idea of where I want to go, what I want to do. So,
4: okay. Yeah, and I, I, uh, I like I said, I've made one mistake is I haven't held back enough of the animals I needed to take into account for illness or problems. You have to right. take into account that you'll lose some animals to illness or, or problems. And uh, and you, you got to have backup. And uh, so I, I've learned the hard way with that, and that's why I'm, I'm keeping a few of these anaconda jags.
2: Um, <laughs> that would be smart. <laughs> other,
3: uh,
4: I, in my hybrid projects, I, I, uh, I have learned uh, through experience that I really do believe the, the male Carpondro hybrids have, have less fertility than the females and uh, Because I had an opportunity to acquire some really nice male animals. I jumped at it uh, Which is not a bad thing, but now I'm working on getting more female hybrids uh, for my future projects um, Because Mm -hmm. I think they they have a greater chance of breeding right
1: okay well uh... We'll break that down, and uh, we're gonna definitely hit on some Carpondro talk uh, as we get to the uh, <laughs> to the end.
3: <laughs> Me,
1: right. Owen and I, we uh, I, well, I speak for myself. We kind of like we look at them and we think they're they're beautiful, but there's like there's like this line that we're like, oh no, we can't breathe that. You know, <laughs> can't, it's like you weird. Can't get
2: line. that No, it's weird. We can't do that.
1: It's it's weird. But I'll tell you what, John, at the same time we have uh well I, I have well Owen will have one too, but a Rubiox, which is basically the same I have thing. a Rubiox.
2: <laughs> I have a girl a and I'm getting a boy a And yeah, so I have so go that figure calico mutt thingy. So yeah. Uh yeah, all yeah, my I don't know are, yeah, whatever. But
4: I know, I know when the um, oh, I,
2: go ahead. I actually
4: I think there's a, I think there's a way bigger difference between an Erubiak than between a, a carpet times green tree. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
1: well, I do too, but I mean, like some people genetically, when they break it down, they'll tell you that it's basically the same thing. I mean, they're two different species, but I'm with you. <laughs> so I'm the monster. Okay. All right. Whatever. All right. So... What are your suggestions? I mean, with Morelli in particular, you have the whole ontogenic color change, and you might pick up individuals that may or may not turn out like you wanted. Um, you know, what's your what tips can you give? Uh, and if that does happen, you know, what are your recommendations to uh, to keep your project going?
4: Um, you're saying, what if the animals you get don't turn out the way you wanted?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, you know, with carpets, I mean, condros kind of fit the same bill. You really don't know what you're going to get, uh, you know, until a year or two into uh, to keeping them. You know, I mean, have you had that happen to you where an animal that you thought was going to be stellar, you know, turned out to not be what you expected? And if so, how did you save the project?
4: Well, uh, so again, that's looking at the areas I've made mistakes. I, I think. One of my biggest mistakes has been in not saving enough of the animals for the project. Um, that, that's that been a huge mistake and and I've learned from it. Uh, but I also, if I have an animal that I'm growing up and, and it's uh, a year or two years into it and the animal's not turning out like I expected, I sell it. I, you know, I, I don't keep it because I, I am only gonna breed uh, animals that I think are like A++. I don't, I don't breed anything that I don't consider like a total trophy animal. And that's just me, That's because this is my hobby. I'm not doing, I'm not doing it as a livelihood. Um, so it, it might be different if I depended on this, but this is my hobby. So um, I, I really want to create snakes that when they're in somebody's house, Every time that person walks by the cage, they look at it and they go, holy crap, that is an awesome snake. Um, <laughs> that's, that's not cool." Uh, and so to me, I, I've sold plenty of animals that I've, that I've held back and I thought they were going to turn out to be trophies. And they turned out maybe okay or maybe good, but they, they, didn't, they, they weren't to me what I wanted to breed.
1: Right. They didn't have that wow factor for you.
4: Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, I'm curious about this. When I when I see your collection, I think of somebody that's super focused. Um, do you think that there's a benefit to that? And yeah. you know, because I know myself, like I, I have Noah's Ark syndrome where I have to have, yeah, you know, two of this, two of that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> What's your thoughts on that?
4: Well, again, you know, this is just what suits me and what makes me happy. But um, I am pretty focused. And, um, you know, like I could, I know this is strange. I could go to a reptile show and I could see a ton of things that I think, wow, that is gorgeous, or I like that. But I really don't have a desire to, to bring it back. Um, I, know, I know this goes against the usual reptile enthusiast genetic makeup, but uh, I, I am pretty focused on the projects I want to do. And I also don't like having a whole lot of animals that I'm not getting pleasure out of seeing each week. Like, um, I've talked about this before, but, you know, I don't have so many animals that I can't appreciate each and every one. So, for me, that fits. Um, that fits for my style. And every week, you know, when I, I do my thorough cleaning of all the animals' cages and changing water and so forth, I, um, I pick up each animal, I look it over, I see if there's any problems, but I also just enjoy each one. Um, so, that, that works for me.
3: Very cool.
2: So when uh, you you stated earlier that uh, when it comes to selecting the best available animals for your particular project, uh, can you relate some of your experiences when it came down to picking something like that? Um, Like what was it like uh, tracking down gamma and how would you find gamma in the first place?
4: Well, um, at the time when I was Researching what the jaguar morph was all about, uh, mm. there weren't that many. There weren't that many breeders in the U.S. There weren't that many. There weren't that many animals available, and and each of the animals available was worth. I mean, was costing a lot of money. But um, a, a a colleague, a reptile colleague, said, "Hey, you got to look at uh, Jeff Favelle's animals. He's got some jags up in Canada that look really nice." And that was just a tip on a friend. And I, I gave gave him a call and took a look at his website and he shot me some photos and I was on my way. But to give you an, an example of uh, of also just kind of the extent I'll go to to get a prized animal, uh, before I got into jags, when I was in the jungles, um, it, it was funny. I, I saw this one guy. This is when the Internet was a lot slower and things were a lot mm. slower. But a, a guy posted a, a thing on King Snake of a young jungle, and I looked at this thing and I said, "Bingo! That's that's what I'm looking for. I know exactly I want that snake." So he just had he had no email address. He just had a phone number. I called that phone number probably more times. I'm willing to admit, uh, maybe a hundred. Um, he, he never answered. He never answered the phone. And I was like, oh. what is going on with this guy? So finally, one time I called and I got through. And he's like, yeah, I still have it. He goes, I don't know. People are not interested. I said, forget it. I'll buy it. I'll buy it. I want that snake. I'll buy it. And it's like, he said, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. this." And I said, look, I want that snake. I'll make it happen. And the story actually grew longer and longer because he actually lost the snake after I paid for it. Um, he oh. lost it in, in his home. Oh. Uh, and then when I went, he was in California. I'm in Wisconsin. When I went to California for a professional reason, uh, I, I met up with him, and he found the snake again. It had it had escaped in his house and it curled up in the the hot water heater, like and the pilot light went off, and the heat went off in his house, and that's how he found it. And that that oh. snake, that, but it was alive. It was healthy. And oh, are you snake, serious? <laughs> yeah it's uh it it just put out the light but nothing else happened and anyway that was Aphrodite a jungle that was maybe one of the most beautiful jungles I ever had and I bred her and she produced some great jags too with gamma five um but that was a long haul in getting her but i i once I saw her I knew that's what I wanted
2: wow that's
4: insane
2: so it it's i mean so you would just say kind of if you see the snake you want, you know, move heaven earth and go get it. So,
4: you know, I I knew I knew what I was looking for, and and she was mm-hmm. like a you know a fifty percent jungle. I mean, she was half yellow, half black. It was just gorgeous. She's on my website.
2: That's awesome. Now, did do you did you ever have a clear vision of what you wanted to accomplish by? Seeing a particular snake or or its parents i mean were you looking at that going i want to do that with this or uh are you looking at two animals and saying i want this and exp- and then seeing it in the eggs
4: um i guess it's the it's all of the above you know mm-hmm. i you know when i first bred gamma i i really had uh a, a belief that if I if I used a high diamond influence, it would it would bring out her colors more and and bring out the pattern more. Uh, but I couldn't predict exactly what it was going to be. But I just had a feeling. Yeah, I I, I do that. I, I and then of course like with these anaconda jags, really it was it was funny how these things happened. It, I stopped breeding gamma jags several years ago because I've been focused on uh, my hybrid projects. Um, mm-hmm. Now I was trying to breed gamma line into hybrid projects but really not just straight out gamma jags and uh, because I, I've been unsuccessful with a number of attempts uh, in 2014 I just I just stuck gamma 5 in with my diamond jungle and said oh well I'll make a few more gamma jags <laughs> and I didn't expect you yeah. to yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh,
3: nice definitely
2: so uh, how important is it to know lineage of the animals that you're buying? I mean, obviously you want to you want to know uh, a little bit, but how important is it, and how far back would you suggest?
4: Well, I I do think um, first of all, you know, when you when you buy animals from a breeder who who's meticulous, who keeps records, who um, I I uh, Every year when I do pairings, I take photographs of the snakes uh, when they're copulating because uh, each year I want people to see uh, exactly what pairing their snake is coming from. Uh, mm-hmm. Really, when you're buying a snake, you got to trust who you're buying it from. Uh, you know, they 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 could have a snake that they're saying is from a certain pair, and and you're not even sure that's what it's from. Um, so. I think having a trusted source is, is very important. Um, you have to really believe this breeder is, is selling you that the product of what they say it is. Um, and I, I do think it, it helps to go back and I, I also think it helps to see siblings, um, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, especially animals that are from the exact same pairing who are a year older or two years older, that helps tremendously.
2: Definitely. I I would definitely agree. I mean, uh, we used the example earlier that uh, you're at a show and a jobber is selling a snake for a hundred bucks cheaper with no lineage on the animal. Uh, and the breeder that has lineage and, you know, has offspring, offspring um, I mean, you can kind of see the results of the labor of the pairing. Um, the issue then comes in is that, you know, the waiting for two years for the animal to, breed um have you ever been disappointed by a project that ever kind of turned sideways on you and you raise up the animals and they didn't turn out the way you wanted them to um
4: i can't say that's happened um i mean it's happened it's happened where i've held an animal back thinking it's going to become a plus and it turns out to be a b animal and i say okay that i'm not going to breed it but i'm not disappointed with that um definitely um yeah i that's what i'm saying you have to trust when you're buying animals that are just a year old or six months old or something like that you you really have to trust what they're coming from you know however you know if you have a young adult animal and it looks fantastic well then you're going to end up paying more for it but you know what you got right there
2: that is true i'll give you that and you know we all have that uh seller's remorse, where you hold back the one animal thinking it's going to be the best looking of the clutch, sell the other ones, and then your good friend that you do a radio show with, keeps rubbing in your face of so that caramel you sent him, so, <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yep, isn't that wonderful? Anyway, um, in your article, uh, you mentioned that some breeders, uh breeders specifically, uh, believe that the dam carries a greater chance of passing along desired traits than the sire. Can you give us an example of where this idea stems from, and what what made you come up with it or think it?
4: You know, um i saw I saw that you had this question for me, and my answer uh-huh. and I'm, is is not very uh, is not very precise. I've just heard that. I've just heard it through the year. Really? I don't yeah, um. You know, um, and, and maybe some of the people that are listening know. Uh, you know, but I, I don't know exactly where I first heard this. But you know, just hanging around breeders, I've just heard people say uh, that the dam will will carry uh, more of the traits into the offspring. But I, I can't say specifically where I got that.
3: I'm
4: well, not sure I would I kind
3: of,
2: I would kind of agree with you because I, I know the whole Madame Blueberry stuff stems from her so um yeah i don't know i'd be interested to see if there was some kind of plot behind it or uh any kind of a theory it'd be kind of cool to to hear out so yeah but no it's the first time i've ever heard of it so
4: yeah it might just be hearsay and nothing more i don't know yeah
2: it happens. It's one of those things that we should debate about. So throw it up on the pick of the week and we can have a good one. Like back in the forum days. Oh yeah. <laughs> old- uh, very good. The um we've had a few people that have been against the whole lineage push when it came to certain animals. Um we believe that the you know the prodigy of the snake is just as important as knowing who the sire and dam are so i mean would you definitely say that lineage is definitely something that everybody should do in the capacity that they can i mean many far backs they can go uh i
4: i do think the information certainly can't hurt um, um and and uh i i think it can help um so um like, I, you know, I think, I think Gamma is an unusual animal. Uh, I think she's very unique. And I, I really think that anything that's come directly from her or from animals that have been bred uh, in, in a good way uh, with the Gamma line, I, I think those animals turn out to be pretty sensational. Now, one thing I can't control is, uh, you know, I saw last year uh, somebody bred a, a very beautiful gamma jag to a a, a rather ordinary i would say c grade carpet python and uh you know i hate seeing that because i i think uh it it, i don't know what's going to happen with the, the the results of that pairing i just wouldn't understand why you would do that uh you know if you have you know an a grade trophy animal it just seems you you know, but teach their own. I'm just curious as to what will happen with the gamma line in those animals that were produced.
1: You know, uh, I was going to ask that question, like how important do you think the – I think that like some some people believe that if you get an A-plus trophy animal and you can just breed it, that you're going to get A-plus offspring. But – I mean, how important is the other, either sire or dam, in the clutch, in the pairing? I mean, I mean, wouldn't you say that that really carries weight?
4: I I definitely think it carries weight, and uh, uh, but you know what? I I don't have all the data on this because uh, I I don't have feedback from all the people that have produced uh, animals with direct gamma line jags, um, right. so I don't know. But I'll be very curious. Like I said, this, this person uh, got a, a gorgeous A1 trophy, beautiful gamma jag and, and put it with an animal that was quite, quite C-grade, um, regular-looking animal. Um, and uh, I'll be curious to see what those look like.
1: Yeah, so would I. <laughs> I, I what's your thoughts on when, at what point? does the fact that you can reproduce you know gamma type ju- uh, diamond jungle jags at what point does that become like a trait like a morph you know what, you, you know what i'm trying to say i don't know how to put it in the words exactly
4: but well i think the interesting thing yeah the thing that's interesting is there's i don't think there's any regularly accepted definition of what a morph is so. Um, it'll always be a matter of debate because, uh, for example, I mean, for a while uh, I could have told you which jungle carpets came from headhunters because they all had a very distinctive head pattern. And, uh, you know, it was like, oh, I know that's one of Chris's snakes. I could tell it anywhere, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I'm not sure that's an actual morph or rather just a, a trait that's common in that lineage. Um you know, it, it seems a morph implies more, It implies more of a, a, a some kind of stronger genetic influence and more than just a, a, a you know, a head pattern. It, it, it should involve more than that. Uh, um, so, but the, the hard part is there's no definition of a morph that I think is universally accepted.
1: Yeah, I mean, it kind of comes down like if you look at uh, you know, I mean, look at say ball pythons, right? You have something that they call yellow belly, which is you very hard to tell from a normal. But when you mix that in to uh, you know certain pairings, you get incredible outcomes. So mm-hmm. I guess my thinking is is that even though it may be subtle, at at some point, if you can consistently reproduce, you know, diamond jungle Jags that are the quality that you have, at, at what point would that become? I think it's sort of what you see in chondros too. I mean, if you take two to, and you and you pair them together, you know, if you're trying to get some melanistic blue type of animal, you know, it's not it's not like it's, uh it's not like a Jag where it's, you know, incomplete dominant to where you're going to get half Half of this and half of that, half normal, half not. Um, I don't know. This is interesting. Something that I always wondered like, at what point does that stop uh, being selectively bred and sort of become, you know, like the outcome is going to be super consistent. So
4: that's, that's I huh. think it's a really good question. I think it's a really interesting thing to ponder. And, and that's, you know, and especially for me, for my own. Purposes thinking about uh, the gamma jags um, like this. The, this guy that bred one to a, a rather um, average carpet python. It would be interesting if all those jags had the brightness of the gamma line. That would mm-hmm. that would say something.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it sure would. It would definitely
2: say something.
1: Um. So we have we have new people that are listening to the show all the time. So for for those people, what can you tell us what we're talking about when we're talking about line breeding animals?
4: So uh, so line breeding is is basically taking animals from the same genetic line and breeding them back to each other uh, to get uh, refining the trait you're looking for more and more and more. So you know you could take uh, Uh, An offspring like one time I bred gamma 5 back to gamma and and gamma was the dam of gamma 5 so it's It's taking those genes and and breeding them back into the line that was that created them Um, and With reptiles, uh, you know line breeding can produce uh, some problems if you do it too much in terms of the reduced fitness of the animal but uh, reptiles in general though uh, because so many reptiles can actually naturally uh, kind of inbreed, uh, just because a lot of reptiles kind of stay in the same area sometimes from, from where they hatched or uh, it, it, you know, you could get it occurring in small populations on islands. Um, it seems there's enough uh, genetic diversity within a line that you could do this for several generations without creating too many problems huh yeah I would agree with that
2: um is that something to be concerned about the uh, issues that could arise
4: well you know um, I, I think like with breeding mammals or, or mm. other animals it's different but with uh, with reptiles uh, it, it I haven't seen too many instances of it causing problems uh, have you uh,
2: I've I barely, ever gone back uh for the uh, dam to you know son or sire to daughter but i have not seen too many things unless it's we're talking like a recessive trait because then those seem to be so compounded in on each other just to get them out those are the ones that i see have issues like no eyeballs in granite ijs and uh, uh a few other animals that have had issues with morphs that have been attached to them. Yeah. So, yeah, but nothing too much, especially not with animals that have so much diversity, like the gammas who have, uh, various bloods from various animals and all this other stuff in there. So, and the first gen weren't siblings. So, right.
3: Right.
1: When, um, I'm curious. This is sort of uh, an off-topic t- um, question. But when you're breeding your diamond crosses, um, like diamond jungles and such, how do you approach that? Do you approach that from the standpoint of trying to reproduce it from a diamond point of view? Like do you do, you do something along those lines or do you just your standard uh, Chondra? Well, <laughs> you're standing Owen's like, yeah. banging something
2: Owen's banging something not, on the table I'm not me. doing anything um, <laughs> I'm not doing anything you're just messed up I mean Jesus
1: <laughs> uh, I'm sorry when you're breeding yeah. diamond, diamond jungle crosses do you get do you approach it as you would say just your standard jungle carpet python
4: I, I approach them pretty similar uh uh I, uh I tend to let my high diamonds uh, be in the cages. I live in Wisconsin, so um, in the winter, I have some cages that are like in my snake room where the lighting and everything is a lot more controlled. And then I have some cages up in my uh, like uh, study. And in those cages, they're getting the ambient light and they're they're experiencing the nighttime drops a little more when winter comes here. I tend to like to let my high diamond crosses be up in those cages during breeding season. I let them get a little bit cooler. Um, I'm not sure that's necessary, but it's just something I've always done.
1: Well, I have seen people uh, that have done um, diamond jungle crosses and they sort of approached it like your standard carpet python, you know, coastal or jungle or something like that. And, um, they, they haven't had the success that they've had with other carpet pythons and I, I was just curious about your approach So That's interesting
3: Yeah,
4: well, huh. you may you may be remembering a number of years ago. I'm talking it might be 15 years ago I don't know a long time ago uh, a guy produced an article in reptiles magazine about how to breed diamond Python and oh my god, he, yes uh, <laughs> yeah. he,
2: I have uh, that I have that one
4: You got to really cool them down, uh, like really below 50, um, below 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, And that that's what he did. And that's what made him successful. Um, There was a lot of debate about that. And I, I know diamond breeders who don't cool their animals down very much, but um, to me, you know, I I sort of let them cool a moderate amount. Like I, I let the cages get room temperature at night uh, in the winter. And at night here in the winter, it's a pretty cool 60 to 65 degrees here. Um, And they they don't seem to have any health problems.
2: Hmm. That's very good. Very cool. And I I Um, I think I remember that article that you're talking about. Was it the one where he said that he puts his diamonds in the garage and like styrofoam coolers?
4: Yeah, he did it just like he did with like temperate climate snakes. He put them in boxes and put them in the garage and let them get super cool.
2: Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. I, I'm, I would be so damn. No, I couldn't do it. I wouldn't be able to put my diamonds in my garage. Okay, not, not in Pennsylvania. No, 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 not doing it. Not happening. I don't care if they never breed.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
1: yeah.
2: Um. Do you think, so
1: let me ask you this, uh, John, do you outcross any of your, pro? like when you're putting together your, uh, you know, your project, um, do you, do you think about that and do you have, do you buy animals accordingly uh, for outcrossing?
4: Yeah, I do. Um, And uh, so um, the thing that's been kind of neat, and this is where planning comes into it, um, like with with putting gamma with Alba, like I I, am putting gamma five with Alba rather, um, like I produced gamma five and I produced Alba, but they're totally from two separate bloodlines of, of pythons. So I, I've sort of gotten to the point where I have animals now that are outcrossed by being with each other, but they're animals I've created as well from different lineages. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I don't I I new animals very often. I don't, I I don't collect new animals very often. It's sort of once I have an animal that I'm sort of in this breeding project with, I I sort of stick with that and and just see how it goes.
1: Right. You know, I I'd be curious. I mean, to me, I don't know when I when I look at your collect- how how big is your collection, by the way? How many snakes yeah. do you have?
4: Yeah. Uh I have to count. <laughs>
2: <If> I, <laughs> we're sorry. We don't mean to make people count. <laughs> you know.
4: Uh,
1: would you say it's more than twenty, or you know, if you count less than fifty,
4: if if you count this clutch of of anaconda jags and sibs I just hatched, and there's ten mm-hmm. of those, I have about thirty.
2: Okay, that's not okay. Like overly huge. I mean, so. Yeah. It's manageable.
4: Yeah, it's very manageable.
1: Yeah, I guess you feel you you just appreciate your animals more. You know, uh, I don't know the 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 more that I've been uh, the more that I've been doing this, the more that I think that um, sometimes more is not always better. You know, better, yep. uh, better is better. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, again, yeah. yeah it <laughs> you know i could understand i could totally understand somebody who wants a collection of one of everything i understand that it makes Mm -hmm. sense to me i i just do what works for me and 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 for me i i like keeping it to where you know i'm never bummed out by having to clean snake cages because i just don't have to do it that often um it's just not like oh god another day in the snake room i never have that feeling i actually Still get excited when I go into my snake room. I, I love being in there. It's uh it's a neat place to be.
1: It is quite relaxing <laughs> for me. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, I was curious about this as well. When we talk about um, line breeding, did you ever get um when you bred your when you bred Gamma? Did you breed it to just a straight jungle? Um. And if so, did you get different results than if you put it to a diamond jungle cross?
4: You know, I I uh, I never bred gamma to a straight jungle, and um, oh. I uh, I uh, personally I I I don't like the looks of the jungle jags as much as I like the looks of the diamond jungle jags. I uh, I've always had some kind of diamond blood thrown in with my gamma project. Um, and uh, that's just my preference. I, I also believe that uh, jungle jags brown out more than diamond jungle jags. And, and that's, and I I don't like the looks of that. So that's been my reason for doing that.
1: Oh, yeah. I wonder, mm-hmm. I, you know, you brought up a good point that I never thought of is that you said you, and it makes sense, but how diamond pythons really kind of keep their look. Um, You know for quite a long time uh, and they don't really they don't really get you know their colors pretty stay pretty consistent
2: um yeah you
1: know i wonder if that is the what you're seeing in those diamond jungle jacks
2: is that the diamond influence you think because i mean we don't ever sit here and talk about how diamonds you know brown out in their later years diamonds are just diamonds i mean I've never heard somebody say that my diamond got ugly as it got older. So, would you say that's the influence of the diamond blood?
4: The thing you'll see with diamonds is the the actual diamonds sometimes will be more yellow when they're younger, and then it'll turn more cream colored or white colored as they get older. Um, but they don't brown out; it stays uh, distinct, and and mm-hmm. they don't get that browning that jungles that jungles often get. Not always, but often. Um, so, um, that, that's why I've, I've always had diamond blood in any of the gamma projects I've done. Um, it's just, I, I, I think it, it helps keep it clean and bright.
2: It, it, it clearly does and definitely very good. Um, I, don't know, I, I want more diamonds and, uh, Eric's got those reduced pattern diamonds that I make, you know, steal from him at some point, so John, have you ever?
1: Yeah, right. Have you ever um, yep. thought about selectively breeding for traits other than like color and pattern? And what I mean by that is like say uh, better feeders, um, or uh, you know better breeders, uh, animals that don't necessarily susceptible to illness, et cetera, et cetera.
4: Um. I haven't. I haven't purposefully set that as any of the goals. Um, it's an interesting thought. Um, uh, in the beginning of the whole controversy of, of whether or not JAGs had neurological problems associated with them, at that time, at the very beginning, before we really knew now what we know about the neuro problems with JAGs, I thought that um, outcrossing them uh, would, would help um would help the vigor and maybe reduce the neurological problems mm-hmm. but of course that didn't turn out to be true at all um, yeah which yeah, is unfortunate yeah and in fact I have a uh I have a uh, jag Tondro in my collection right now that's uh uh a little over two years old and um it just developed neural problems very recently and that thing is 50 percent uh green tree python 50 percent jaguar and it, it just developed. Uh, so even the hybrid Jags uh, can develop the neural problems.
2: Did you hear that, Australia? Jesus Christ. Um. <laughs> the, um now, now is it more? It, do you find it to be more of uh more impeding for uh something like a carpondra that is constantly perched to have neurological? Like, is that going to affect? How he perches or anything like that or um kind of mess him up a little bit
4: well um yeah it, it's 50 percent uh jaguar and 50 percent uh, uh uh green tree python and it it doesn't perch much it uh okay it, it, per, it perched a lot more when it was younger but since it's developed neural problems and I, i've noticed this in any jag with neural problems They're a lot more comfortable when they're pushed against something tightly, Um, and I think that's because uh, it might have some uh, negative feelings when its head is left to balance. Um, I was about
2: to say that.
4: Yeah. They like to have their heads pushed against something, so when it was younger, it would perch just like a chondro, Uh, but now since it's developed these neural problems, it, it spends all its time on the floor of the cage in the hide box.
2: Okay. So it doesn't really It kind of just hangs out uh, by the floor. It doesn't really perch. Um, I guess, I, I, and I was about to say, you know, you, you took the words right out of my mouth is that um, in my experience, baby Jags, as well as Jags with neurological, it's especially around their head and neck and just the way the chondro sits with their head and neck tucked in there. Uh, I would imagine that would be what would trigger it. So obviously do you assume that, perch is not perching anymore is because the Nero's kicked up I guess throws them off balance
4: that's what I'm thinking because I think it's uncomfortable for it uh, unless it's really just sort of pushed up under the hide where where its head isn't in free space
2: okay okay what makes sense to me so um, I was really just kind of going with the whole like how they hang down uh, or how green trees hang down for food wise if that would be something that would kind of throw him off. Uh, I know that there have been a few people that have had accidents with condros falling off of perches that have resulted in injuries or something like that. I don't know if he was was something you were kind of worried about with that.
4: Um, No, I, I haven't, uh, haven't seen that. Um, but I think he's just doing what makes him comfortable.
2: Right. Okay. Uh, so I guess we'll kind of segue right on into, uh, Con, uh Carpondros at this point so now are would you kind of classify them more as carpets or condros in terms of their temperament heat preference and any other kind of actions
4: well um i i do think uh their their temp it depends what percentage um it really sort of goes with the percentage i you know, if, if you have a seventy five percent carpandro that seventy five percent of it is a green tree, I think it tends to act and and have a disposition more like a green tree. They they coil and stay perched a lot, um, like green trees. But one of my seventy five percenters, he prefers the hide as opposed to uh perching on, on the rat on the dowel I have in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but um you know uh the, in terms of temperament, I think the more carpet you get in it, the more docile they become. I, I but I ha, after having said that, almost all of my green trees uh, have a pretty good temperament, and I don't have that many. But um, not many of them are, are very irritable. You just don't go near them at night because they they just become heat-seeking missiles at night. <laughs>
2: but, uh, well, yeah, that that's a given. So,
4: but uh, but you know, I do think carpets. By and large, you know, most of my carpets are so easygoing, and uh, I, I do think when you get the more carpet blood in the carpandros, uh, they they get more carpet-like. Um, my my very interesting carpandro, though, the one that's most interesting is, is the one I named Speedy, and that mm-hmm. I actually named him after Speedy Gonzalez, who produced him in two thousand four, um, because he's a fifty percent jungle, a fifty percent green tree. And that snake is the most, uh, I don't know what word to use for it. He never sits still. Like if you try to hold him, he is (laughs) flying flying through your hands like acrobatic. He just, he's so, I I just feel like he's like a sprinter on a track team. Like he's so inquisitive. And and, uh, you open the door to the cage and he's immediately coming out. Uh, That snake is the most active snake among all my snakes. Um, and it's interesting because it's 50% uh, green tree. But that's just so, the
2: way he is. So he's a 50-50. Does he perch if offered a perch at all or no?
4: He, uh, he does everything. He, he really, you know, sometimes he's up there on the perch, especially mm-hmm. after he eats because it's closer to the heat source. But otherwise, he spends a lot of time in the hide. And then at night, he comes out and he cruises all over the place.
2: So it's kind of like a, you got a 50-50 shot on a Carpondro, whether it's going to sit and perch all the time or act like a Carpet Python, regardless of the percentages of carpet chondro blood. I mean, they're just going to do whatever they want.
4: Yeah, I mean, I have two 75% Carpondros that are siblings. They're full siblings, so they're right from the same siren dam. and. And one of them, it it perches almost all the time, and the other one uh, is all over the place. He's in the hide a lot, and and then sometimes he perches. You know, it's just different. Wow. Do
1: you see uh, 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 the uh, called – God, I can't talk.
2: See, it's not (laughs) me. It's you. (laughs) 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 Four years, everyone. Four years we've been doing this.
3: Oh, my goodness.
2: Take a breath. i doing getting all well. twisted.
3: Don't worry, yeah. people
2: aren't listening. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> never mind. I'll stop. Go ahead. <laughs> all
2: right. Well, never mind. <laughs> no, <laughs> Eric's gonna regroup and come back at us <laughs> with another question. <laughs> uh, now, what do you think the future of carpondras is going to do? Do you see other morphs uh, from carpet python being added to them, like? I don't know. Are we, are we looking down the road at zebra carpondros or something like that? Or uh, are they going to stay as a prized pet as just the random funky thing that sits in this tank? That's all naturalistic setup.
4: Yeah. Wow. That's a good question. And, and, you know, the funny thing is when I'm planning my projects, I'm, I'm not very business minded. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. planning them more for my art. You know, I really am. So like, um, I'll tell you, years ago, uh, a, a a professional breeder came to me and he said, look, you have these Gamma Jags, they're pretty sensational, and I have a zebra, let's, let's do this. Zebra Gamma Jags will be the next hot thing. And um, you know what? I, he was absolutely correct in terms of the financial uh, aspect of it, but I wasn't interested in that, so I didn't do it. And and you know if, if I were doing this financially that would that would have been a very stupid move, uh, but I'm not doing it for financial reasons. So for me, um, I don't know what's going to happen with carpandros, but I, I do know this: when I when I look at them, when I hold them, uh, when I see these snakes in my collection, they are totally awesome. They're awesome snakes, and that's that's why I want to produce them. Um, but I'll have to I haven't thought through what I would want to get after that. My the biggest goal I have, and one that I, I I don't know if it's if it's possible, but I I believe it's possible, is I want to create, sometime down the line, a blue green uh, diamond jungle jaguars from the gamma line. That's that's my goal.
2: That's I mean, my, obviously that's, the crosses are, you want to have the morphs of a carpet python, thrown in with the. Blue and yellows and the crazy colors of our carpandros, I think, is what a lot of people would kind of dream of. So,
4: yeah. Well, uh, what I, you know, like to me, the the holy grail would be uh, uh, something like gamma five, but in bright yeah. blue. I mean I, I just think, <laughs> you know, if I could create a snake like that, then I'll just roll over and die. i I'd, I'd... <laughs> That
2: would be. That would be awesome. That would be great. Um, yeah. <laughs> so how long have you been I long you've been working with the group that you have I mean and uh, um, how has your group of carpandros been progressing are you getting close to breeding uh,
4: they're all definitely old enough to breed and I've I've struck out two years in a row since they've been
2: um,
4: uh. I, I've had I've had some interesting results um but nothing, uh, nothing fertile, um, and and so at this point I'm batting zero uh, with this current project. But I'll be trying again this year.
3: Okay.
2: Now, carpandra babies, do they come out with their colors intact, or are we looking at red and yellow babies that we have to wait for them to progress?
4: Apparently, uh, and you know, the, certainly a lot of them are yellow colored. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I asked the ones I have. I, I asked the breeder for for neo pictures, and he never sent them to me. Um, okay. He, he said they were dark, uh, but I, I never got the photos.
2: Hmm. I, I was just curious about that because I'm trying to see if there would be that kind of crossover with the the green tree blood that would cause I don't know red, yellow, little carpet pythons, and then develop into the normal colors. So right
4: yeah the uh, ones i've seen are mostly yellow um okay yeah
2: now uh do you change your breeding approach when it comes to chondros versus carpet pythons
4: oh yeah I, I i do think um you know all my carpets i i i i get a fairly significant nighttime drop in the breeding season uh but my green trees i just drop them a little um i don't drop them as much um i i think they're more prone to respiratory infections and things like that and uh uh but other than that i just try them in different habitats so i let the carpet go with the green tree and, and uh, in a in a arboreal habitat and then i i always make sure the green tree has something it can grab onto and feel perched but right. um you know Uh, I've talked to breeders who, uh, who just say it really doesn't matter.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, have you ever, go ahead.
1: I was going to say with, with, with breeding uh, Carpondros, um, do you, do do you think that the um, reason that uh, you may, are you, are you seeing locks and are they, are you seeing ovulation uh, when it comes to these?
4: Well, um, so for this, this, like this last season, uh, I tried to breed uh, my beautiful blue highland green tree python I call Bell uh, Mm -hmm. with my totally freakishly awesome 75% carpondro I call Morpheus, who's uh, got shades of blue, black, gray, and yellow on his ventral uh, scales. But um, they locked up. Uh, you know, maybe 10, 15 times. They locked up all winter. And then I thought I saw an ovulation, but I, I thought, ah, I'm imagining it. It's not really an ovulation. I took some photos of it. And then uh, she resumed eating. And then uh, I so I thought, okay, she's eating. That wasn't an ovulation. And then one day I went down uh, to the snake cage and she had laid a, a bunch of uh, unfertilized eggs.
3: So, oh, huh.
4: Uh, I, I, don't
2: know I'm what to make. Of
1: I was curious of like, uh, you know, because carpet pythons are very seasonal, um, and chondros have been shown to be able to be bred all year long. So maybe some of the problems with not having success with them could be, uh, you know, not putting them together at the right time. So yeah, that, no, do, you, do you have any thoughts on that?
4: Well, I've I've bred green trees before, just straight out green trees, and um, you know I followed similar procedures. I've never bred green trees out of out of the season. I breed carpets, and for me, it was just convenient because I like having the neos at the same time. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, you know, I I guess I'm going to have to just keep experimenting and seeing what happens. Uh, I have had my seventy-five percent Carpondros go off feed in the winter, um, which which tells me they're more breeder ready.
2: Yeah, I, I guess once a boy goes off food, we know what he wants.
4: Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah I would just be curious to see if, like, uh, I don't know. Sometimes with some of these odd species of pythons, uh, the timing could be off to why people don't have success and. When you're putting that together,
4: I I think that everything should be considered. So I'll I I take that under advisement. I agree. Cool. Yeah. Sorry, Owen. Go ahead.
2: It's okay. No, I mean I, I mean I was just gonna say, do you ever catch your, your chondros breeding with your? Uh, pythons like this, the chondro kind of just droop down and stay perched as they lock up, or do they come join each other on the ground or join each other up in the perches?
4: Well, um, you know when I've when I've put Speedy, my fifty percent carpandro in with in with like Gamma or or uh, my other Gamma Jag, um, he'll lock up with them anywhere. He's very eager in his pursuit and you know if they're up on a ledge he'll just go up there he he doesn't care uh, when i when i put my 75% carpondros in in with um, my green trees they they copulate while perched just like pure green trees do
2: okay that's cool. cool so hopefully you get some of those and you can try to you know tempt eric into getting some carpondros and he can make that leap before I do, so.
3: So I
4: understand completely. People that uh, that you know really don't like the whole hybrid business. I'm totally cool with that. Uh, mm-hmm. That's fine. Uh, I just happen to love it. <laughs>
2: so <laughs> there's. Uh, um, you can definitely if Dave, that's what you want to do, that's totally cool. And I hope you get that blue gamma check. That'd be freaky to look at. <laughs> so
1: can you imagine a Exantic zebra jag carpondro?
2: <laughs> oh my god. Oh my goodness. <laughs> now we've now we've gone horribly too far. So uh. Or how about
1: a hypo-brettle Carpondro? <laughs> uh,
2: Stonewash hyper Carpondro Exanthic. Yep. Oh my yep. goodness.
4: This is heresy you guys. You're going you're gonna- to... <laughs>
2: <laughs> 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 yeah, there are going to be people at our doors with pitchforks any minute now.
3: <laughs>
4: you, you, you know, know the... the, I- the- Go ahead, uh, just for the people no, no, listening... No. I want- if you want to see a picture of a Carpondro copulating perched with a green tree, I have it on my website. It's on my available page uh, because I give my breeding updates there, and I have a photo of uh, Bell and Morpheus uh, copulating. It's a pretty cool photo.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna check it out.
2: Let's see. That is definitely cool. What's the? Uh, why don't you throw out the website real quick for us right now?
4: All right. The website is Morelia Trophy Club So M O R E L I A T R O P H Y C L U B dot com, and then just go to the page that says available, and you'll mm-hmm. see some copulating pythons of all types there. Very cool.
3: Yep. Very cool. Very cool.
2: But um, so you have anything else you want to throw out there, like uh, Facebook? Uh, how would people get in touch with you if they want to grab a, a baby from you or uh, pick your brain about these anaconda jags?
4: Well, um, at, at in terms of getting in touch with me, uh, feel free to send uh, me an email. My email is junglejohn at tds.net. Um, and, or there's a place on my website to contact me on my website, Or through Facebook, I have two Facebook pages. I have Morelia Trophy Club and John Battaglia, uh, both on Facebook. Um, Sad to say, though, I don't have any more available anaconda jags. Uh, When I hatched them out this year, I had a a flurry of interest, and um, I'm keeping two for myself, and the other four are already spoken for.
2: Wow. Uh, Sorry, Eric. (laughs)
3: <laughs> hey,
1: John, I was, I was curious of, do you know what you're going to be putting together this upcoming season? Do you have anything that yeah. you're excited about?
4: Um, I'm definitely going to be trying all these hybrid projects again. I, I have to think through, uh, I haven't really thought it through whether I'll do another uh, clutch of anaconda jags. Um, but I, I, um, I'm definitely going to be trying my uh, 50% female carpandro. Uh, with uh both a green tree and with uh gamma 5 um this this gamma jag that i just got back in my possession i'm going to be trying her with uh the 75% carpandros and the 50% carpandro so it's a, it's mostly hybrid stuff i'll be trying again
1: okay very All cool right. well, we'll be watching
2: <laughs> yeah definitely you can hear that so yeah.
1: Cool. Cool. Any, go ahead, Owen.
2: I got nothing else. I think we shouldn't uh, thank John for coming back on and dealing with us again. I mean, very few people want to deal with us a second time. That's ridiculous. So,
3: <laughs>
4: all, all jokes aside, I do want to say uh, thank you both very much for everything you do to help this hobby. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that says uh, I really appreciate what you guys do. So thank you. <laughs>
2: No, for, oh, we appreciate you doing that, this to man. one of us is dead so um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, uh i appreciate that john
2: <laughs> yes thank you very much john um okay. i guess we're just gonna we'll say good night to you john and then uh eric and i'll close it out and uh thanks again for coming by again okay all right, all
4: right. good night guys thanks right. john yeah
1: Cool. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I've had uh, malfunctions all over the. You're dying. You're dying, aren't you? I, you're I, dying. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting you ready. I'm getting you ready, Owen, for the. There's, uh, there's only there's
2: only on two away. things. There are only two things that would make me sit in the driver's seat. One, you're gone, or you're dying. <laughs> so. And I mean, yeah, we've. Had, I'm a little bit. We've under had several those shows. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm a was, little bit. I'm sorry. Weather. Bye. I almost. First off, the Merle Python Radio chat is probably the worst decision we've ever made because I can't look over <laughs> there at these people because <laughs> yeah. it was because it was especially after you came on and you tried to ask the question and totally botched it <laughs> and I had to like look away. I I yeah. minimized everything. I threw my phone on the other side of the room. I had to focus. <laughs> Because at any moment, I was just laughing yeah. while John's explaining something. It was horrible. But, yeah. Yeah for some, some for s- of... yeah,
1: for some reason, I'm getting, like, this crazy echo in my headphones. So, like, everything right. that was said, right, I'm hearing it's, like, on a delay. <laughs> it's driving me crazy. I'm like, oh, my God. And I'm asking a question. I'm hearing the question back. going, and I'm like, Ah, uh, sound like such an idiot. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I apologize. <for> <laughs> and, and uh.
2: I want everyone to notice that Eric is probably sitting at his house right now with his headphones, and they've been probably driving him insane during the entire episode. <laughs> He's yeah. probably taken them off several times. He's probably poked them, maybe hit them a few times on the desk. But <laughs> yeah, uh, really? the things we do. But,
1: uh,
3: anyway. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you guys—you guys should definitely go over and check out Morelia Trophy Club. Uh, yes. I can speak firsthand about uh, the quality of animals that uh, John produces are second to none. Uh, when and, he says A plus, and- he's really talking A plus. It's funny. I was talking about. Um, I was talking before the show started uh about uh my uh my diamond jungle jag uh that I got from him and I call him Bear yeah. because it, it's weird it has this weird like uh, paw print on its head that just reminded me yeah. of like a bear claw so that's why I call him Bear but um every time regard you know even non reptile people I pull that snake out and people are just blown away. They're just like, Oh my God, yeah. you know, <laughs> what, what, what a snake looks like that. What, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, it's just, uh, high quality stuff. And, uh, you should, uh, I think you can get, I'm going to post it up over on Morelia Python radio, uh, Facebook page, his, um, websites over there. I think I posted it up on pick of the week too. But, um, his article about selective breeding is uh, definitely something that, uh, if you're looking, yeah. if you're if you're new into breeding and and you're curious on, on some pointers or some tips, uh, you know, definitely check it out because, what you do at the beginning uh, of this whole thing, when you're starting a breeding project, really makes the difference uh, because you're talking about two three years into it till you have animals that are adults. Um, that you really want to, you know, produce something that stands out and and, and sets yourself apart from the rest. Uh, uh, you really have to buy quality animals. I mean, that was something that uh, I used to hear all the time on Reptile Radio that those guys would preach about. And um, I remember even, I, you know, you don't see many ball python people do this nowadays. There's very few from what I see. But uh, those guys used to really pay attention to, not just the morph but what they were putting it to uh and you know their animals that they got were uh pretty stellar so i don't know just
2: something you want to think about Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, one of the things you get and i mean it john's was always on the forums he was always putting up pictures one of the things he used to do was uh have his animals take pictures on top of like T rex skulls and things like that so it always was like oh my gosh what the hell is this so uh definitely know it, it, if you're just getting into it he's a great model of a breeder to follow so
1: oh yeah hands I'm down for. yeah yep so i'm i'm so glad that uh i remember talking to uh luke snell about um wanting to get one of those gamma line jags and you know he had said I I always said no. Probably wait till the next year, and I'm glad I didn't because that's kind of when John went in the direction of going um, and breeding the, uh, you know, the Mm -hmm. the hybrid stuff. So uh, I'm glad that I got got him when I did. So
3: um, Mm -hmm.
1: should be uh, cool. And and next year, uh, this upcoming season is going to be the the season that I that I pair them. I'm not really kind of sure, you know. Exactly how he's gonna play out, I think he's gonna go with two two different uh two different girls and see what happens so I have a really uh killer diamond jungle that uh Luke Snell produced, and uh I've been waiting to breed her with him. that's kind of the idea of what I had when uh <clears throat> I uh, purchased him so. Uh, curious to see how that turns out. It seems to me. I don't know what you think, Owen, but like when you see these, uh, you know, morphs, and you put in that diamond blood, it just takes it to a whole new level. You know, I mean, it does diamond it, zebra it, jags it and does. stuff like that. But I can't yeah. do it.
2: <laughs> you know, what I just really want would hear diamonds. <laughs> so.
3: You know what
1: really would be wild? What really That's would it. be wild is mm. a. And it's, it's crazy that I have a reduced pattern female diamond, and the diamond jungle jag is a
2: uh, oh boy's. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, <laughs> oh, oh my God level, no. God. Yeah. Do it. I don't know. I mean, maybe one day. <laughs> it's, uh, it's hey it, Maybe one day when the – You've you've already made a bunch of reduced pattern diamonds and you want to try something new for the year. Why not? You got them, make the talk chuck them together.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, um uh we want to throw out there I, I I don't know. I don't really have anything. Oh, you know what? I do have something else. Hold on real quick. Um
2: hold on. Holding. You know
1: how I'd love the fact that we're getting uh, feedback from from people, and uh, people are sending us emails Mm -hmm. about questions that we raise on the air. Um, But uh, when we were talking about this um, a couple weeks ago, uh, it was on the Antaresia show. We were talking about morphs and how does it just pop out, and I had thrown the question out to uh, Travis Wyman, and uh, he's the guy that uh, I was talking about as a geneticist. And uh, he sent us yeah. an email. So I'm going to read it. Yeah. Uh, so this guy is the uh, the end all be all when it comes on. And he's probably going to be on the show in August. Uh, all to right. Talk about genetics. So, anyway, uh, this is what he has to say. Uh, good evening, gentlemen. I caught your Aunt show while in the lab today. And since uh, you gave me a specific shout out, uh, I wanted to drop you a line and offer an answer to you. That's pretty cool that uh, people are listening to Morelia Python Radio
2: while working in the lab. On the side. Hooray. Um, <laughs> we apologize for all the language. And we hope it's not being broadcast throughout the entire lab. Yes. Continue. With regards to your question, <laughs> with regards
1: to your question on
2: whether it is possible
1: for a morph to be produced when neither of the parent animals are, are gene carriers, yes. It is possible for this to happen, and is generally referred mm. to as spontaneous mutation. Mm. It is, it is not a particularly common occurrence. However, in nearly every instance, unless uh, there is some type of uh, driving force at play, like a mut- mutagen, uh, it will happen as a one-off. Okay. In regard to Uh, In regard to the specific incidents you were discussing, based only on the single picture I have seen and having no further background information than the show, I'm inclined to say that is not a case of a spontaneous mutation as it appears that there are at least two phenotypically different animals in that clutch. And what we're referring to is this uh, quote-unquote pie diamond uh, that uh, popped out. I hate to speculate further on what may be going on uh, there, but again, this is based solely on having seen the picture and very little, um, very little bit you discussed on the show, so I am not claiming anything as absolute. The two most likely, likely explanations are uh, that either the parents are both carrying some new mutant gene or there was something that occurred during gestation incubation. Uh, that had an effect on some of the offspring. I would not put any type of confidence odds uh, on either of those right now uh, is, wait a minute, those, because again, uh, I just don't have nearly enough information. For me, I would say the best thing that could be done right now is for the breeder to apply the scientific method and try to prove out the aberrant animals from that clutch. Hope that answered your question. And if not, if you have more questions, uh, feel free to hit them up. Uh, cheers, Travis Wyman. So uh, I don't know. He's a geneticist, and that's uh, his thoughts. But, you know, it's kind of hard to really get a solid answer when you don't really have all the info. But, uh, you know, uh, that's that's kind of that. So
3: mm-hmm.
2: cool.
1: Well,
2: makes sense. Uh, I it, mean, various other things you yeah. can Try to do, and I mean, uh, and obviously, the next step would be to raise them and breathe them and see what the hell happens. So,
1: yeah, plus, too, I mean, you get to look at that. I mean, even if it's not a pied diamond, it's still a
2: crazy looking thing when it grows up. I
1: would still keep it and pretend it was. I mean, you still look at it, it's still gonna look like a pied diamond. (laughs) You know what I mean? i just pretend, you know, oh, at least you have it so.
2: Eric is so painting his carpet pythons like crazy col- <laughs> colors so you can pretend. This is my baby blue carpet python. Did you just like dip a baby carpet in paint? Yeah. So either way. <laughs>
4: yeah.
2: Maybe.
3: Uh,
1: so. All right. So let's That's enough get of this. through. Yeah. <laughs> let's get our closing list together and uh, let's get out of here. So. Uh, don't forget that Bill has two 75% at GTP chondros produced by Speedy Gonzalez for sale. 100% of the money goes to Speedy's surviving family members. Contact Bill on Facebook if you have any interest. Uh, I think he put the uh, the pictures uh, over on uh, Maria Python Radio Facebook group page, uh, so you can check it out yes. there. Um, yes. For sure. Okay. So, as far as Morelia Python Radio goes, next week uh, we have the Tiger Show with Jason Balin. Hooray! Uh, just like the Jag Show, we're bringing you the Tiger Show. Uh, we're going to talk about everything that has to do with tiger carpets and. Uh, Which
2: Jason would be the guy we would call for that. So. Um, Correct. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, if you have any questions uh, or comments or things you are curious about Tiger Carpets, uh, feel free to uh, to uh, drop uh, us an email or or send us a message. Uh, info at Morio Python Radio. We do have some awesome shows lined up, by the way. We do, uh, my friend. Uh, <laughs> on seven twenty eight, we're talking with uh, Chris Rendles of Headhunter Reptiles. Uh, we're nice. gonna be talking jungle carpets. I don't know if you've seen the jungle carpet that he produced. Um, uh, I think, uh, yeah, it was this season. Uh, basically, it looks like a jag, but it's yeah. not.
2: It's I had seen that uh, one, yeah.
1: Reduced pattern jungle carpet. So
2: Yeah, I've always liked this stuff.
1: And uh, right after that, since uh, it's been a long time since we talked chondros, we're going to be talking uh, green trees with Matthew Morris. Um, nice. Uh, So that should be cool. And then after that, I think that's that's That's,
2: when... uh, See, you know, when you said you have a bunch of good shows lined up, my friend, there was a veiled threat in there because of that you're leaving me to run the show, and the second show in August is uh, all mine. So I have to come up with something good. The third, all right, sweet. All right, cool. Then I don't have to do anything yet. I'll
3: wait. Yeah.
2: I don't have to start planning. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, not, not yet. Uh, so, yeah, I think, um, I don't know. I think after the Tiger Show, um, we're probably going to do, uh, I don't know. What are you thinking? What do you want to hit? Caramel? Granite. granite? You Car- want to hit granite?
2: Caramel, okay. granite. I'd like to do Xantic um, at well, some gonna point. Well, we're going to do them all. But, uh, of course. Yeah. I mean, but. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, we'll we've done what we do. We did Jag and we did Tiger. Let's step out of coastal and let's go to uh, somebody. Let's go somewhere else. Maybe Zebra or something like that.
1: Zebra. Okay. All
2: right. All right. All right. Yeah. Very cool. Or Panther. Um, Anybody got Panthers?
1: <laughs> Ooh, steady boy. Ooh. Steady boy. Ooh.
2: Sorry. Sorry. Uh, yeah. All right. I'm done. I'll be, uh, I'm done.
1: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's uh, some of the shows we have lined up, and um, I that, that'll pretty much coast us through until September, and then we are a month away from our four-year show. Um, I guess we're going to have to break out the big guns for that four years. Uh, it just blows my mind that we've been doing this for four years every Christ. Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> every Tuesday for four we years. Take,
2: we take one or two Tuesdays off. I think, yeah. I don't yeah, remember. Take, <laughs> <laughs> I
1: think we we take off three Tuesdays a year when we're on vacation, but the show still yeah. goes on. And then, yes. uh, the, the two
2: weeks we take during the holidays. That's yes. It. And you know what? It's, it's funny because when we started, it was like we, there was concern we'd run out of shows. <laughs> we'd run out yeah. of topics. So we wouldn't know what to do. So... Holy crap. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. It's pretty crazy.
2: Well, the everything uh, goes craziness downhill, because we get into October, we do the year show, then of course we have the Tinley show, then before we know it, we're doing the holiday show, it just it snowballs into craziness, so.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's so weird, it's like, it, because it's been four years, it, it seems like when we're on break, that, mm. you know, like. That, I don't know about you, but it's like on Tuesday. It's just strange that we're not, I not, that, I'm not that I'm not doing a show. It's like so I, weird. I, like,
2: I text you and I'm like, "What do we do now?" It's like you know. It's like <laughs>
1: You mean I can do whatever I want tonight? I can do what I want.
2: <laughs> oh, I shouldn't be allowed out. It's no, dear Lord. Uh, I I know. So it's just funny like that.
1: Yeah. God. Good time, so Good times.
2: Anyway. Good. good. So, uh, yeah,
1: so as far as Morelia Python Radio, check out our website, moreliapythonradio.com. You can send us emails at info at Morelia Python Radio. Please give our Facebook page a like. You can follow us on Twitter at Morelia Python Radio. Uh, If you want to download the show, uh, uh, we're on iTunes, uh, and you get the show there. Um, But, yeah. Yeah. Good times. Uh, as far as myself, E.B. Morelia, uh, you can follow uh, me on th- my Facebook page, E.B. Morelia. I'm also on Twitter, at E.B. Morelia, and on Instagram. Uh, check out my website, see what I have available. I also have a blog that I've been doing. Uh, the last one was on the Citrus Tiger story. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll be updating that maybe every couple of weeks or so, but uh yeah. If you want to get in contact with me, Eric at EBMarelia.com. Uh, if you're interested in anything that I have available,
3: um,
1: and we'll be at the Hamburg show, let me know because uh, I will have some animals there with Owen at the oh, Rogue right. Reptiles booth. Uh, and that show <laughs> is on August 1st. Um, and then there was Carpet Fest. The Northwest mm-hmm. Carpet Fest is just around the corner, people. Uh, It will be uh, held on September 12th. Uh, Doug Taylor has once again agreed to be most gracious in hosting it at his place, which is a little ways North of Seattle proper. Um, They're doing a potluck style dinner. Uh, You can uh, please bring a food or beverage of your choice and expect fun shenanigans and lots of geeking out over Morelia Uh, to get an idea. of the headcount, please uh, contact Amy Kenorior uh, through Facebook or join the event on, they have a Northwest Carpet Fest faiths page, um, and they just want to get a, an idea of the number of attendees. Um, also, they're going to be doing an auction for USARC, so if you're interested in donating, contact Amy and coordinate it uh, with her. Um, and I think that is all I have.
2: All right. Yeah, on Well, what I'll say is that if you are interested in any the animals we have for sale, we have a few, left over on rogue-reptiles.com. You can also contact us through there. For any babies that you are interested in, the Caramel Jags and the Red Tigers Clutch have shed and eaten a bunch. So they're ready to go. They'll be with us at the August 1st Hamburg Reptile Show. But if you can't wait, I will be attending the Oaks Reptile Show this Saturday. Not vending, but I'm attending. So if you want something, I can always drop it off free of charge. Uh, You should have to let me know, get in contact with us. Like I said, we do have some babies left over from last year. And actually one 2013 still kicking around. But... Either way, you can go on to rogue-reptiles, check all that stuff out, or you can go on to Facebook at roguereptiles at com and check out all the latest happenings there, and that will keep you, uh, you know, informed of what shows we're doing and what's going on. Um, like I said earlier, Eric and I will be at Tinley Park Chicago in October. Once again, we'll be splitting a table. It'll be the Morelia Python radio table. So yeah. – yeah that one's going to be fun and uh it's going to be really cool i I can't wait to see the table layout and how we're going to pull this one off but um i'll be bringing a bunch of my animals eric will be bringing a bunch of his animals so if you are planning or if you're on the fence about coming to tinley park please do we would love to see everybody there we'd love to hang out with everybody and i have um written I, on my phone, I saved documentation. Eric's buying the drinks. Um, he said it. I, I saved it.
3: Like I saved
2: that text message. It's mine. So nobody's gonna have to pay for anything. Eric's just gonna get. <laughs> it
1: looks like Owen got dropped off. I don't know why he got dropped. I guess because he said I was buying the drinks. But uh, Rogue Reptiles, uh, you can check that out at rogue-reptiles.com. Uh, you can check out his Facebook page uh, and we will see you at Tinley Park. I mean, Tinley Park is basically the show of shows uh, in the U.S. Um, and, uh, you know, if it's a who's who of the reptile business. So you should definitely try to make it out there and, and check it out. So uh, until next week, uh, have a good night. And thank you for listening to Morality Python Radio.